People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. Rodney Trudgeon here on Fine Music Radio, welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. And I have to say it's going to be slightly different. I'm looking forward to it because in the course of this program, we are going to be tasting two award-winning South African whiskies. One of them is Three Ships and one of them is Baines. So <laughs> that's something to look forward to. And that tasting will also guide you as well, I hope, because my guest is Andy Watts, master and founder distiller. He was only the sixth manager of the James Cedric Distillery since its establishment way back in 1886 until his move to head of distill center of excellence for whiskey in 2016. But listen to this. He grew up in Penistone in Yorkshire, England, and arrived in South Africa in 1982 as a professional cricketer with Derbyshire CCC, planning to spend six months a year coaching at schools throughout the Boerland. Well, within three years, he landed a position at the then Stellenbosch Farmers Winery, where he became involved in blending spirits. He returned to South Africa determined to prove that producing excellent whiskey was not a pursuit reserved exclusively for the Scots. He's been instrumental in the distillery's many achievements and has established many firsts for South Africa on the whiskey front. And these distinctions include, as part of the Three Ships label, the first single malt produced here, the first 100% locally blended whiskey, and the first single grain whiskey, Baines Cape Mountain Whiskey. The other thing is that Andy is no stranger to receiving awards, and he's just been inducted into Whiskey Magazine's Hall of Fame in March, an honor bestowed on just a handful of iconic people since its inception in 2004 as a permanent tribute to their lasting contribution to the whiskey industry. Andy Watts, welcome. Thank you, Rodney. Nice to be with you. Quite a long introduction yeah. there for you because you've had quite an eventful life, as it seems. It's quite a change, isn't it, to be a professional cricketer wanting to teach children in the Boerland to becoming a master whiskey blender. Has whiskey been a part of your life since those days in Yorkshire, or where did that come from? No, it was really a, you know, arriving in South Africa, my goal was, was purely cricket. There was no intention of ever getting involved in the liquor industry. It was going to be a, a six-month one-off visit, which then turned into a second visit and a third visit, which got me involved with Stellenbosch Farmers Winery. And when I decided then to stay, I got released from my contract with Derbyshire in 1984. And I decided to stay in South Africa, and SFW offered me a full-time position. I got invited to a, a social gathering at Braai, and the directors of Morrison Beaumont Distillers were there. At that stage, they were supplying bulk Scotch whiskey to Stellenbosch Farmers Winery. And I think I was invited uh, just because I could understand English and more more importantly understand Scotch. Oh, yes. Uh, yes so Scotch. I, I went along and as, as South Africans do, they were entertained royally. And at the end of the evening, Brian Morrison came up with this idea of why don't I come back to Scotland to learn how to make whiskey, which I thought was you know pretty ironic that I'd lived my whole life in Yorkshire and I'd actually never been to Scotland, which is just 200 <laughs> miles away. And I'm, yes, yes. I'm now in South Africa and I'm invited back to Scotland. So the next morning when we all woke up, you know, feeling a little bit worse for wear, I thought, no, nobody will remember this. And that afternoon, my, my boss at uh, Moniz in Paul, Jack Haynes, 
called me in and just said, listen, you know, we've come up with this great idea. We'd like to send you back to Scotland for periods of time to learn how to make whiskey. And that's what I did between 1985 and 1989. I worked for SFW in South Africa and then went back to, to Scotland for a couple of months uh, of the year and worked with Morrisons at their Beaumont Distillery, Glengarry up in the Highlands, and Ockentoshan in the Lowlands just outside of, uh, of Glasgow. And it was during that period that, you know, working alongside some of the industry legends like Jim McEwen, David Gressick, Alistair Ross, uh, Stuart Atkinson, that, you know, I kind of got infected by their passion. And, <laughs> and that's sure. when I came <laughs> back thinking, you know, in 1989 when Brian sold his business to Suntory of Japan, I came back to South Africa and the company said, listen, you know, you must know everything there is to know about whiskey now. So, you know, let's send you to Wellington to the James Cedric Distillery and uh, we'll convert that into our whiskey distillery, which we did. And I became manager in 1991 and led the whiskey from the from the distillery for 25 years. I want to go back a bit further, Andy. Um, you obviously had some sort of taste for whiskey if at that reception you were talking about they picked something up about you had you been a whiskey drinker since your younger days no i hadn't uh, i mean you know when you play sport it's mostly you have a beer after the game mm-hmm. uh, so i hadn't been involved in whiskey and i think at that stage it was nothing to do with did i show any potential that evening it was just a you know personalities seemed to you know kind of blend together and they enjoyed my company as much as i enjoyed those and it was just you know, just a door which opened up for me, which I was very grateful for. And, and I think if I go through my life, a lot of it has been being in the right place at the right time on mm. more than one occasion. It's interesting how that happened, isn't it? And you've never looked back, to use a cliche, have you? Uh, no, not at all. Um, as I say, I mean, even when I started here, you know, things just kept rolling into place and opportunities arrived. The business, Distella, supported me you know, 100% in everything I've tried to do. And, you know, being the only commercial whiskey distillery on the continent of Africa, uh, it was quite challenging in the beginning. I'm um, sure it was. Because, you know, in Scotland, there's almost 120 active malt distilleries. Mm. Uh, so basically one in every town. Uh, so you could, like, if you've got a problem, you phone a friend. Where here it was a, <laughs> a little bit different in those early days. So, sure. uh, so, yeah, it was quite challenging. But, no, I had no previous experience. It was... And and really, when I went to Scotland that first time, if if I hadn't have met such influential, uh, fantastic people, you know, real real legends of the industry, I don't know if I would have you know took it in like I did. It was really it was as though it was almost you know embedded into me in that four year period of uh, spent in Scotland. So. Gosh. Okay, now before we get down to business. What's your first piece of music? What does a whiskey maker listen to? <laughs> well, I'm pretty much across all genres, um, but the first one is is Bruce Springsteen and Thunder Road. You know, I grew up in in Penison uh, in those the 60s and 70s, and you know, to be honest, it's not like the youth of today. There wasn't too much to do there. You kept yourselves busy. And you kind of hook on to the one guy who had maybe had a cassette deck or something, which you could listen <laughs> to some music. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Bruce played a, a big role amongst, with his E Street band at that stage, amongst our kind of group of friends. And I think Thunder Road is just, you know, one of the classics for me.
screen door slams Mary's dress waves Like a vision she dances across the porch as the radio plays Roy Orbison singing for the lonely Hey, that's me and I want you only Don't turn me home again I just can't face myself Inside, darling, you know just what I'm here for So you're scared and you're thinking that maybe we ain't that young anymore Show a little faith, there's magic in the night You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're alright Oh, and that's
Bruce Springsteen. He doesn't appear often, I must tell you, Andy, on <laughs> Fine Music Radio. So I think some people would be very pleased with you. What was that song called? Thunder Road. Thunder Road. My guest, incidentally, is Andy Watts, who's just been inducted into Whiskey Magazine's Hall of Fame. And congratulations, by the way. That must have been, that must have made you feel jolly good. Sure, yeah, it was a, it was a, a massive surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is possibly the, you know, the pinnacle of anybody's career in the whiskey industry is to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So, you know, when I, I received the letter saying that, you know, I was going to be the 70th inductee, um, it was pretty surreal for a few <laughs> days uh, and incredibly humbling because this is an award which you're not kind of nominated for it. It's something your peers in the industry and, and these are peers who are established overseas, not not South Africans. Uh, and the fact that they recognize the work that, you know, myself and the team have done on on South African whiskey over the past 37 years. That's, a, you know, my length of time now working for SFW slash Distel. So, yeah, it was a, an incredible surprise, immensely humbling and... Uh, Possibly on top of you know s- several awards I have won over the years, this is is possibly the one which you know if I died and went to heaven tomorrow I'd be happy. <laughs> yes, I've, if reading through your bio, there are lots of awards: World Whiskies Award, World's Best Blended Whiskey in 2012 uh, for Three Ships, Best World Grain Whiskey for Baines Cape Mountain Whiskey. But I mentioned in my intro. Induction, Andrew, that you said that South Africa, there's no reason why South Africa can't make whiskey. How did you, it must have been very brave of you. I mean, presumably we weren't making any whiskey, were we, before you came along? Yeah, we were. Three Ships was the, the South African whiskey. Oh, was that already that, established? That was the, the, the first commercial whiskey in South Africa, launched in 1977. Oh, and I, I got involved in the business in full-time in 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the, the one whiskey I inherited. And then from there, coming back from working in Scotland, my first whiskey I was responsible for was the launch of the Three Ships Five-Year-Old Premium Select in 1992. And that was a blend I put together to to kind of remind me of my time on Isla. So it's quite a smoky, robust, yes. peaty blend. Yes. Uh, but each time I, I take a sip of that, I close my eyes, it takes me back to the shores of Loch and Dal, which laps up to you know, the buildings of, uh, of Bomore Distillery. And yeah, it's most evenings I'll I'll close off with a, a dram of Three Ships Five and a and a nice healthy piece of blue cheese. I I think the two complement each other really, <laughs> really well. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Am I right in saying I'm going to be a bit of a snob now? So you can hit me if you want to. That long ago, Three Ships didn't have such a good reputation when it began. So it seems as though you have been responsible for turning it into this award-winning whiskey. Yeah, listen, my shoulders are broad, Rodney. It's, uh, you know, in the early days of whiskey festivals, people would walk past your stall, your whiskey stand, and, and, you know, there'd be a few snide comments. But it's actually strange that the rest of the world has been telling us now for a while that we're making incredibly good whiskies. Mm-hmm. And so I think my biggest challenge at the moment, and the one I really enjoy, is that, you know, it's not so much making the world-class whiskies now. We've got a team at the distillery who are honed in on what they must do. For me, it's quite easy to to keep a, a you know an overview of what's happening. The big challenge is still to change the perceptions. I mean, if you think of every other you know category of of anything, whether it's music, whether it's science, South Africa leads the field. Uh, we make incredible wines, so you know really there is no reason 
why we can't make good whiskey too. It's just mm-hmm. uh, it's just we've got this kind of mindset that whiskey comes from Scotland or it comes from Ireland or maybe from the States. But, you know, the fact is at the moment, the growth in the whiskey industry is coming from what's known as the new world whiskies. Mm. These are whiskies outside of the, you know, the, the countries which have been making it for hundreds of years. Even famously Japan. J- Japan. Which is an award-winning uh, whiskey for the ape makers. Correct. The ones they make. Yeah. Japan and Taiwan with Cavalan are, are really hitting the market strongly. Whiskies out of Australia now are, are performing incredibly well, as well as Sweden and, and believe it or not, England. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it isn't the sole prerogative of those established countries to make good whiskey. But, right. yeah, it's a, listen, it's a long, hard journey. It's, uh, you know, to change somebody who's been drinking a certain style of whiskey for a long time uh, into something else is, is not easy. Personally, I believe that there isn't one whiskey for every occasion. And if you're only drinking one whiskey, you're actually doing yourself a disservice. You know, whiskey is a journey, and if taken responsibly, can last you a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will never taste all the whiskies which are out there. And, no, and that's sure. what makes it so interesting, because it is a very, very subjective drink. Yes. It really is about what do you like and not what somebody tells you to like. Exactly. And also the way you drink it, which we're going to come to that. But then how did Baines come into existence? So no, before we go there, the three ships... There are now a number of three ships, brands, aren't there, or yeah, versions, or yeah. what would you say? If you, there are three types of whiskey. There's there's malt whiskey, um, made from malted barley and distilled in pot stills, uh, and that's the whiskey everybody talks about. Mm. Um, you know, if you chat to somebody, now I'm a malt whiskey drinker. Single malt's the only drink. Uh, and then you get grain whiskey, which has been seen for many years as the black sheep of the family. And, and I saw an opportunity with grain because I, I think it's incredible liquid to work with. Uh, and then the third category is blended whiskey, which is a combination of the malt and grain whiskies. Now, even though everybody talks about malt whiskey, the romance of the industry, only about 10% of the whiskey consumed is actually malt whiskey. The other 90 goes into being a blended whiskey. Mm. So, and that is the most popular category being drank. So if I, you know, look at blended whiskey and I see a normal blend being possibly 25% malt, 75% grain, then if I think of an artist and use the analogy to paint a masterpiece, an artist needs a good canvas. And if I look at blending whiskey, my canvas would be the grain. It's 75% of the, of the liquid which is in the bottle. So if it's not good, the chance of making a good blended whiskey is... It's just not going to work. It's it? not going to work. Great. So grain whiskey must receive just as much attention as what malt does. Mm. Uh, and that was where my inspiration for Baines actually came from. If I look back to the late 90s in South Africa, when we were part of the global village again, and whiskey started returning, and two in particular, one from Ireland and one from the States, both beginning with the letter J... Uh, they became very big very quickly. And I Mm. kind of looked at those two brands and I thought, well, what makes them so popular? And, you know, after you've been used to just one style of whiskey from Scotland, which is what South Africa was used to, and I looked at those two, I saw in the Irish whiskies, I saw soft and smooth, easy to drink. And in the American bourbon, I saw sweet, spicy, Mm. but with a little bit of oiliness, which to me is not, it's, it's an acquired taste. But if I look at the soft, smooth, the sweet and spicy, how could I get those into one product? And that's where the, the concept of Baines began in 1999. And it was to take a grain spirit, which is naturally light in flavor. And because it's normally used in the blends, it's normally put into old casks for maturation because you don't want to 
really put flavor into it. It's there to just break down the flavor of the, of the malt whiskey. But I decided to put this grain whiskey into first fillets bourbon casks. In other words, a cask which has only been used for bourbon once before. Mm. And I laid it down for three years, which is the minimum, minimum time period before that spirit can be called whiskey. And after three years, I was expecting my eureka moment, but it actually wasn't there. The whiskey was nice when I released it. And it was different to normal grain, but it wasn't what I was quite looking for. So we took that really unusual step of buying a second set of first Felix bourbon casks. And instead of putting the whiskey after three years into a bottle, we put it back into this second set of casks and allowed it to extract even more flavors. And after a further two-year period, I th- thought I had what I, what I wanted, and that was the birth of Baines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we look at our climate in South Africa, and that helps us such a lot even though we lose on average 4 to 5% of the alcohol each year during maturation, the aging of the spirit in wood, the interaction between the wood, the spirit, and the atmosphere is just taking place a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. So the accountants aren't too happy because you're losing more, but the benefits of the product are incredible. In Scotland, you're losing one5 to 2% per year, and there the interaction between the wood and the spirit and the atmosphere just takes place a little bit slower. So we tend to find in South Africa that our whiskies are, at a younger age, generally a little bit smoother and portray themselves as being a bit more mature. And when Baines was released, for some reason, I think it was a kind of instant success. I think people were bewildered. (laughs) They knew it was something different, and I, I seem to remember it being a success, and ever since as well. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people aspired to drink whiskey, mm-hmm. but it it isn't something you take to immediately. So, you know, Baines, I don't see it as being an entry-level whiskey, but the flavor profile makes it attractive to somebody who's uh, an educated and, you know, a long-time whiskey drinker because of the differences in the flavor. Uh, but also to somebody entering the, you know, the category, you've got this sweetness and it's also soft. And it's a natural sweetness because remember, whiskey is a totally natural product. It's water, grains and yeast. So the only way you can impart the sweetness into the whiskey is through the type of wood which you would use. And using fresh uh, American oak imparts those vanilla notes into the whiskey, which mm. then gives you that that perception of sweetness. Yes, which Bain certainly has, caramelly even. However, before we get there now and taste to do some tasting, your next piece of music, Andy? Well, you know, arriving in South Africa back in the the early 80s and spending time in Wellington, the exchange rate at that stage was was basically one-to-one. So, you know, eating a nice steak in the steakhouse was pretty accessible, but doing it alone wasn't fun. So I, I actually met a local girl, Tanya, who went on to become my, my wife of now 35 years. And, uh, yeah, in the beginning, conversation wasn't easy being, uh, you know, Wellington, quite an Afrikaans town at that stage. And my knowledge of Afrikaans being almost non-existent. So, so yeah, when we did eventually marry in 1986, and at that stage my Afrikaans was much better, we thought it would be quite fun to open up our dance floor that evening to F.R. David and the, and the song Words. And, and that was it. It's, you know, words don't come easy. And they certainly didn't in the beginning, but uh, over the years, yeah. My home language is now actually Afrikaans. <laughs> <laughs>
a song called Words by F.R. Davids, another choice of my guest Andy Watts, who, as I said, has just been inducted into Whiskey Magazine's Hall of Fame in March, very recently, a major, major international award. Um, Andy, we were talking about Baines uh, and the grain whiskey just before the music. It's got a lovely name, Baines Cape Mountain Whiskey. Where does this grain come from? Well, the grain is South African yellow maize which is grown in abundance in South Africa. And up until the mid-80s, it was the source of the grain for Scotch grain whiskies as well. They used to import it from South Africa. If I look at, you know, grain itself, American maize, corn, gives you about a 60, 65% starch content. If I look at wheat, around about 68 But South African maize is right up there at 72% oh. percent, uh, mm. starch content. So we get a very high alcohol yield from it. And it also gives this, again, a naturally kind of sweet texture to the spirit itself, mm. which after mat- maturation just, you know, is, has got an incredible mouthfeel. You, you know, you'll taste. I, won't, I don't want to influence you, but there will be, you know, you'll find a creaminess uh, with our grains, which 
You know, Baines has taken the world's best title now in 2013 and 2018. That's amazing. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. It's, uh, I remember reading about that and thinking, gosh, and rushing out and buying another bottle of paints yeah. <laughs> to remind myself what it tastes yeah. of. So we're going to sample it. Maybe we sample it. This is not television, so don't try this at home. <laughs> so let's pour a little bit into the glass. There you go. Thank you. And here we have a little drop of Bane. So, first of all, it's without any water. And I know people say you should drink scotch how you like it, but I like it just with water. So if I sniff it, it's a lovely color, a lovely golden color. If I sniff it, I get, I'm aware of slight sweetness and I'm aware of caramel. Yep. Am I on the right track? Yeah, you're on the right tracks there on the nose. You will pick that up, maybe a little bit of tropical fruit, banana or pineapple. There you see what you've done now. It's the psychological yeah. thing. The moment you said banana, I can smell banana. You can smell banana there, yeah. <laughs> so, and when I taste it, this is now just the pure whiskey. Um, will I get that creaminess without the water or anything? Well, normally we, we add the water just to – water tends to open up the whiskey slightly. Yeah. How you drink it is there is no right or wrong way. So you mentioned you enjoy it with a, a small dash of water. You know, you'll go into some establishments and you'll find very expensive whiskey with apple tizer being drank with it. You know, it's and all Coca-Cola. yeah, there's you know there, there is no no right or wrong way. We like to say a responsible way, but but yeah, the the dash of water just opens the whiskey up and you just experience it uh, a little bit better. And as professionals, that's how we taste. Yeah. Uh, we normally break it down fifty fifty with water in a tasting. Session, uh, and that and not chilled or no, no ice during a, a tasting because mm -hmm. ice tends to subdue the flavor. It pulls it, pulls it in. I'm always having conversations with friends about ice. They say, but everyone drinks whiskey on the rocks. Why yeah. don't you drink whiskey on the rocks? And I say, no, for me, it seals the taste and makes the whiskey too cold, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to add a drop of water, yeah. just, just a drop, just less than a teaspoon. And I just want to see now on the nose what it's done. Much more open, much more clean. I think I put too much water in, actually. Mm. You see now, to me, that's come back to life. Except that I have to say I enjoyed the neat one. But perhaps sipping through a neat one through an evening would be more. This makes it more comfortable yeah. and has opened it up. And I'm also getting the creaminess you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the on the taste, you know, you will find more of the, the vanilla starts to come through a little bit more. You get that sweetness. You get the, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, maybe a little bit of spiciness in there, mm -hmm. uh, slight cinnamon, hint of cinnamon, which is typical from, again, the first fill uh, bourbon cask coming out of, uh, out of American oak. So, yeah, all in all, as, as we mentioned earlier, a whiskey, which I think people in, who are entering the industry or entering the category it's it's a very makes it a very accessible point because whiskey i think as well has always got this image of being this very masculine you know male drink yes and, and few women that i know drink whiskey very few women yeah but more and more to be honest mm. south africa has got a very interesting demographic in terms of whiskey drinker and i welcome it because whiskey is anything but a male only drink it yes. is a drink for everybody and if i look at you know the tastings i've done and the kind of festivals i've been to we're looking in this country around about a 
a 65-35 split, male to female, uh-huh. in terms of the whiskey drinker. And also our age group in South Africa is a little bit younger than what we find in Europe. We, we're more at 25 to 45. That's where the bulk of our whiskey drinkers oh, are. That is interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, where in Europe it's, it still s- appears to be slightly towards the upper, upper age groups. Mm. You know, in South Africa, I mean, been this, you know, amazing country with, with such a beautiful climate. Uh, whiskies have become a big part of cocktails now and being a warm climate, uh, summer climate, you know, there's nothing better than the sundowner, you know, with your favorite whiskey and either in a cocktail form or just as in a, in a spritzer with your long glass, tall, tall glass mm-hmm. ice and, uh, and your favorite mixer. So, and I think Baines is very versatile in that sense. It, it lends itself to being able to be, you know, drank neat like you just don't know with a dash of water. Or if you do want to mix, you know, Baines will will suit that uh, direction too. Is there just one Baines? Uh, On the South African market, yes. But through our e-commerce site at the distillery and also Global Travel Retail, I have released some some limited editions. We've... uh, We've got a, let's say, a, a special release, which is ongoing, a 15-year-old Baines. And then we've just released now as a part of a travel retail distillery exclusive, a 10-year-old Baines, which has been finished in red wine Shiraz casks. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that does so change the taste dramatically. Yeah, yeah. and, and being, being a grain spirit and light in character, it does tend to take on the, the nuances from the wood. <laughs> quite easily yeah. so yeah innovation is one of the the exciting parts of my work now is, is that sure it's, it is. it's part of my work to ensure that you know distel has this pipeline of of innovative whiskies for years to come the fact that it has i don't want to say sweet because that gives the wrong impression has that made it more attractive to the younger market those bourbons for example Oh, it seemed to me to be very attractive to young people because yeah. of the sweetness. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're coming off, uh, let's say, the RTD category, if you've been drinking that or your, or your ciders, which are quite sweet, mm. and you want to progress to, to a spirit, then, you know, it's a natural sweetness, so there's no added calories in there except for the alcohol itself or your mixer. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we, you know, we found that, that Baines does tend to be that kind of magnet to people who are coming into the category for the first time. Oh, right, okay. And I found very few people in all the tastings I've done, it, it really is what we call liquor on lips. If you can get somebody to taste Baines Cape Mountain whiskey, then they generally walk away <laughs> quite happy and, right. and purchase a bottle. Right. Well, while we let that settle on the old palate, what is your third piece of music, Andy? Yeah, my third piece is, again, two people who growing up had a, a big influence on my music style and that was David Bowie and Annie Lennox and I think their rendition of Under Pressure at the uh, Freddie Mercury tribute concert at Wembley in 1992 was absolutely phenomenal and if you go onto YouTube and you actually look at them when they practiced that, when they were in the in the recording studio just just playing around and getting to, to know each other's vibe, it, it's just absolutely incredible the chemistry which they put together and I, I love them both in their own rights but in this particular one put together it's 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 just chemistry which is on fire it's it's an amazing song it also coincided with uh, me being appointed at the James City Distillery as the manager and uh, uh, yeah I was quite under pressure in those early days there too <laughs>
Lennox, David Bowie, what was that song called? Under Pressure. Under Pressure. Another choice of my guest, Andy Watts. Andy's here, we tasting whiskey. He's just won a huge award. He was inducted into Whiskey Magazine's Hall of Fame in March. A great honor, apart from all his other awards. And we're talking about South African whiskies, which Andy has nurtured and perfected, and therefore they've won lots of awards as well. Baines. And also three ships, and we tasted some Baines, and I'm intrigued because this three ships, Andy, is in fact a single malt, isn't it? Yeah, this is the 10-year-old single malt, which I released my vintage. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is the 2007 vintage, uh, the latest one on the market. We will launch 2008, uh, probably in the second half of this year. And the reason I do it by vintage is just to show people that whiskey isn't a commodity it's not toothpaste or soap it's <laughs> thank goodness you know it's it, it is alive yeah, and even yeah. though you might have the same distillation technique the same maturation warehouse the same barley everything the same there are subtle differences and by making vintage you create talkability between the people who have the different vintages and also collectability if you've collected the 2005 6 7 you're probably going to collect the 2008 one as well so yeah this was uh, we launched south africa's first single malt in 2003 a one-off and since then i've been you know putting stock down into wood because if we talk about a whiskey having an age claim on a on a label of 10 years that means that that liquid has actually been inside a wooden cast maturing for a minimum of 10 years before you can take out and put into a bottle which gives that age claim. So whenever you see an age claim, it is the age of the youngest whiskey in that bottle. Right. And I think it's also important just to mention for people who might not be whiskey drinkers that whiskey doesn't age in the bottle once it's out of the barrel. It's not like wine. You yep. can't lay it down and hope that in <laughs> 20 years' time you get a, something special. Once it's in the bottle, it stops aging. Yeah, that's correct. So what casks was the three-ship single malt put into? Uh, this was also put into uh, 
ex-bourbon casks, American oak, but ones which were a little bit older. If you remember with Baines, we talked about a first fill ex-bourbon. That's a cask which comes straight from the bourbon industry. So you've still got all those fresh aromas from uh, from the bourbons in there. With three ships, it's older wood. So this means we've probably filled it two or three times at the distillery uh, before then putting our malt spirit into this wood. The reason for that is I wanted the malt to actually flavors of the malt to come through. Uh, rather than have too much wood influence on this particular mm-hmm. whiskey. So here we switch now from grain, which was Baines, to malt, and just getting some ready here. This is a little dram of the three ships and a little nose, first of all, Andy. And is that different or what? Peaty? No caramelly? Yeah, it's, uh, again, that's the kind of influence. Lots of things in my whiskey-making career have been, you know, driven by emotion. And that time spent on the island of Isla, Uh falling in love with the people, the island, and their whiskies, has played a big influence in my, the decisions I've made in the style of whiskies I've concentrated on making. So, you know, the Um, barley I brought in has been peated to a certain level, and, and that's what you're experiencing now in the in the whiskey. I'm going to see what three ships single malt tastes like uh, without water or ice yep. or anything. Mm. It's just so different from the um, Baines. Yeah. It's, it, to me, it's a taste that I associate more with a single malt whiskey. But I'm trying to think now what I can say that's intelligent. It's just delicious. <laughs> it's it's um, Although it's neat, it's still... There's lots. I'm getting lots of flavours at the back of my throat. Yeah, yeah. and that that is that's malt whiskey. Malt is where the the complexity and the and the flavours come from, and you know the blends which are more popular is just because the grain is softer, lighter in style. It breaks down that complexity a little bit and makes a a whiskey which is then acceptable to a wider audience. But really, the malts on their own are, are where all the flavor is. Mm. Uh, pot distilled, and and this one no different. You know, I, I, I don't want to influence your. You know, the way you're, you're, you're turning, but I mean, in this one, I get lots of, apart from the subtle smoke, the peatiness, which is there. Smoke, that's what I should have said. Yeah. I, I, it all. You know, I kind of get this almost shortbread, a uh, little bit of Christmas pudding flavors in there wow. as well, Christmas cake. Okay, now I put a drop of water mm. in, and mm, once again, it the nose has opened and smoothed out. Yeah. It's opened and it's smoothed out a little bit. It's not quite so sharp, and I mean sharp positively, by yeah. the way. Mm. Gosh, and now, well, the first thing I'm aware of is incredible smoothness. Yeah. Incredible smoothness without any loss of flavor or bite. Yeah. And again, I think we can accredit that to our, our climate and mm-hmm. the, the way the angels work at a, <laughs> at a heavy angel. pace with our, with our, with our whiskies uh, while they're in maturation. I have to say, congratulations. The wonder we've won awards, just a tiny taste. I've never tasted that before. The Three Ships 10-year-old single malt. Um, it's a delight. I have to no, get myself a bottle me. immediately. Thank you. But what I also picked up, Andy, is a lot of the things that you've said, it sounds as though it's really a labor of love, this business of making whiskey. Yeah, I, I, I've kind of made it that way, and I think I try to live my life that way as well. You mm-hmm. know, if I do anything, I do it full out yeah certain things leave marks in my memory and i kind of put these tags towards them and and then secretly on my own i work away to try and achieve that tag and 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 whiskey's been been that you know making whiskey 10 years old you could have had that you must have had that idea 
10 years, years ago. ago yes gosh. you know and i've got now you know one of the big things to look forward to and it's not it's not a secret anymore is that you know the end of this year on december the 31st we're going to release the uh, the millennium single malt which was distilled in the year 2000 wow so that will be our oldest single malt a 21 year old and that's three ships that's three ships which i've nurtured all the way now for 21 years <laughs> thank so, you for telling me that yeah. <laughs> something to look out for at christmas yeah, time yeah, andy what do you do when you're relaxing whiskey obviously plays a major part in your life it's almost is as though you're a scientist on the one hand and an artist on the other but when you're away from the distillery and all that and the casks and the whatever when you're relaxing, I mean, maybe you'd pour yourself a whiskey, but you mentioned you played in a brass band. What do you do to relax? Yeah, well, you know, that's changed over the years due to it having to. I used to be a runner and then I had knee problems. So living in a beautiful town of Wellington, which is, you know, it's only 50 minutes away from Cape Town. But mm -hmm. if you talk to people in Cape Town, they think it's just this side of Bloemfontein. So you know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of nice that way because it's, yes, it, remains this, <laughs> it remains this beautiful, beautiful town. And right. it's got the most amazing farm roads and, and mountain paths which you can mountain bike on. So that's become my passion now, living in the town. If I'm not working, if I'm not spending time with my family, then you'll usually find me somewhere with my my mountain with bike mountain bike gosh yeah and cricket uh cricket i used to play socially we were part of a golden old i was part of a golden oldie team but uh we did i started doing a lot of traveling you know up until covid which obviously you know had an effect on everybody and and stopped travel and tastings I was spending probably 75% of the year away from home. So, uh -huh. you know, I, I couldn't keep up the, the practicing with the guys and the cricket. Mm -hmm. and it wasn't fair to just be there for the nice tours. So I gave up my space in, in that side and, and just ride my bike a bit more. <laughs> and watch it on television. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, we have to end it there just yeah. before you play your next piece of music. But thank you for a very interesting experience. The Baines and the Single Malt Three Ships has been <laughs> something that's opened my eyes or palate or whatever you like to say. And all strength to your arm. And congratulations once again on the Whiskey Magazine's Hall of Fame. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you do in the future. Oh, thank you, Rodney. What's your last piece of music? Yeah, well, I'm going to finish off with uh, Human from The Killers, a uh, song from 2008, but uh, I wrote the Sony to Sea in 2010, and this was the kind of song which was played each morning on the start line, and it kind of really got you motivated and in the groove for six or seven grueling hours on the on the bike going through <laughs> the Natal Midlands oh my goodness. on the way back to the coast. So, yeah, it's The Killers and uh, and Human. And as we listen to that, we say goodbye to Andy Watts. All the best, Andy, and thanks. Okay, thank you, Rodney. I did my best to notice When the call came down the line Up to the platform of surrender I was brought, but I was kind and sometimes I get nervous when I see an open door. Close your eyes, clear your heart. Cut the cord. Are we human? Or are we dancers? My sign is vital.
People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. FMR.